Um, Isaac Sainz here with the Pro Football Chase podcast. Um, I'm excited to to be here for another um, edition of the Pro Football Chase podcast. Um, plenty to discuss. I mean, I think I think the most important thing was that um, the whole Dwayne Haskins situation was was obviously really really, really sad, uh, considering the circumstances, you know, nobody really knows, uh, what exactly, um, occurred, um, what happened during the morning of, um, early Saturday morning, uh, Dwayne Haskins, the, the news that was pretty crushing, obviously it shows all the camaraderie, all the people that have come close to him in the locker room over his career from Ohio state, all the way to, um, Washington and then Pittsburgh. And so honestly seeing the reaction of a lot of his close teammates, I think was pretty, was pretty tough, obviously. So I want to start off the, the podcast kind of by sending my condolences to him and his family. Um, obviously that's, that's a tough situation. Anytime you lose a loved one or, or a close friend or a teammate, whatever the case is. So, Certainly, uh, I know that they're continuing the investigation with what exactly happened, but I, I do send my condolences to Dwayne Haskins' family and his loved ones. So hopefully um, they're given God's peace through time. Um, obviously, his teammates moving forward into the offseason, getting ready for next next season is going to be a little bit tough uh, going forward without a teammate in the in the mix. And so that that certainly is something that I'm sure they're going to honor him as a team. Uh, maybe even put his number on the helmets for a season. Not exactly sure, but Mike Tomlin is a classy coach. And so I'd imagine that, that there is going to be something to honor him um, and, and his legacy as a player, as he, as a family man, as a friend, brother, uncle, I mean, you name it. So that was sad. And then of course, last night, uh, Gary Brown, a former NFL running back himself, uh, an NFL assistant, most recently coached in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys as a running back coach. Um, he he passed away after a battle with cancer yesterday evening. His family announced, uh, 52 years old. Again, uh, seeing all the players interact and and send condolences just kind of gives you an idea of the impact that he had on them, uh, not only as a player but uh, as a coach and as somebody that these players looked up to. So. Certainly same way, as I said, with Dwayne Haskins, sending condolences to uh, Coach Gary Brown and all those that are uh, mourning his loss. Um, I, I guess if there's anything to say that can maybe bring some peace is the fact that he's no longer having to battle and, and, and struggle and suffer with his cancer treatment. And so certainly he's resting in a better place. So certainly sending my condolences out. Um, so for sure wanted to, to – to open up the podcast by by saying um, those condolences to those two um, that that have on, and so um, we'll we'll continue to keep them in our thoughts and prayers moving forward. But uh, in the NFL, I mean, speaking of right now, we're already April 11th, so we're about two and a half weeks away from the NFL draft. And so I'm excited, man. I think there's a lot of uh, storylines that are generating, of course, you know, the draft talk that goes, you know, in and out. It's like 
who's going one, right? So so thus far in the in the pre-draft process, it's been Aiden Hutchinson. You know, he's been the guy out of Michigan that has been consistently pegged as the number one overall pick to Jacksonville. Of course, they did use that franchise tag on Cam Robinson. And so a lot of people were initially thinking Evan Neal um, maybe going number one overall. That's the Alabama offensive tackle, a, monst- a monster, I might add. And then Iki Kwanwu is another uh, top elite that was generating some buzz about maybe going number one overall. But once that Cam Robinson franchise tag was placed on there, I think it was more so, uh, okay, here's the clear vision. I think they want to go with edge rusher, pair somebody to go with Josh Allen, who continues to emerge as one of the top young edge rushers in the NFL. And so, so far, Aiden Hutchinson has been the guy that has been um, considered the favorite to go number one overall. However, um, according to Peter Schrager on, on Good Morning Football, um, he says he's hearing that um, Walker, Javon Walker out of Georgia is starting to develop some steam in the Jaguars facility to perhaps go number one overall. And so that is a little bit uh, of an interesting twist. And of, of course, this is draft season, right? So you take everything with a grain of salt, what you're hearing, because there's rumors, there's smoke screens. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that teams are going to use to get other other teams off their scent. So now the latest uh, rumor as of this morning is Javon Walker potentially uh, being the number one overall pick, and and that would be a surprise. And I think it's really crazy because I was thinking about it, but of course, you know, you have all the media scouts that that are putting out these uh, these consistent draft mocks, right? And I think at the very beginning of the of the pre draft process, um, Trevon Walker was kind of regarded as a guy that was going to go in the late twenties. You know, I think. His numbers, obviously, um, testing have been very impressive. That's That explains his high draft stock. But I think I would be pretty surprised if he ends up going number one overall. Right now, they have him going number two or three. Uh, the Houston Texans at three is a big spot. But honestly, I mean, I, I could see why why scouts are enamored with Siobhan Walker while they think he could be a dominant edge rusher. He has the traits. He has the, uh, the limitless upside that obviously a lot of teams continue to uh, project him being a superstar in the future. But to me, I think Kayvon Thibodeau, I think is the best edge rusher in this year's draft class. And it's kind of surprising because at one time Thibodeau was regarded as, as the number one overall pick, a guy that was going to go top two. And now because of the emergence of Trevon Walker and then Aiden Hutchinson, seems like more teams are starting to, um, to tailor the scales a little bit more over to Hutchinson as opposed to Thibodeau. And I think that's surprising because, again, I'm not sitting in on those pre-draft interviews. I don't know what Thibodeau is telling other teams in interviews. I know that he's made some eye-popping statements about knowing you know, when he's wrong and when he's right. And so I can see how that could be impacting his draft status and his draft stock. But when you turn on the tape, you can't look at tape from Trevon Walker out of Georgia and then look at Kayvon Thibodeau and tell me that Walker is the better player right now. I think that's false. I think that's a false narrative that sometimes um, it, it needs to be fixed. And so because of that, I feel like there's a sense of um, of a little bit of mis- miscommunication just because I'm not entirely sure about 
that comparison uh, when it comes to their off-the-field potential. But I would say for sure, I do believe Thibodeau on talent alone, on his size, on his athleticism. I don't know how he fell out of the number one overall contention. And who knows, right? Jacksonville could be playing us all in the media and end up going with the Kayvon Thibodeau. But I'll just say this. Whoever ends up with Kayvon Thibodeau in the first round is going to get a heck of a player, a guy that is going to be a dominant edge rusher for many years to come, a guy that's going to probably be a double-digit sack guy, you know, for much of his career. The guy, I think, um, elevates the players who play alongside him because he's such a threat. He's constantly having to uh, draw double teams, and it opens up other players on the defensive line to get home on the quarterback or to disrupt and run run defense. And so I'm very high on Thibodeau. We'll see where he ends up. You know, and that's, that's the beauty of the draft talk, as everybody says, is, you know, where are all these guys going to land? One and two, when when the first round comes, I think it happens every year. You see about three or four players that end up being drafted way earlier than where the media scouts have put these players on mock drafts. And and again, that just goes to show you that the opinion of us, right, guys who cover the NFL and guys who are media scouts on NFL Network, on ESPN, and you got the Kuipers and you got McShay and you got, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, you got all these guys who are putting projections on these players. And then you realize real quick that some of these NFL teams, they completely have opposite grades on the top prospects and they value other guys who maybe are showing in the mock drafts as late first round picks or maybe even a second round player that ends up in the mid first round coming off the board at 15, 16 or 17. Very similar to what happened with Alex Leatherwood. Uh, the Raiders, you know, took him. I think it was towards the uh, 20s of the first round, and that was the player that a lot of people didn't expect to come off the board till the second round, and yet a team valued him as a mid-first-round pick. And so to me, that's the most fascinating part of the draft is seeing these teams who come out of nowhere, and they'll surprise you with a pick and a player that's like, whoa, you know, mine is blown. And then in case in that scenario, it bumps down a couple of players that have been highly rated in all the mock draft seasons. And next thing you know, day two comes and you, you're seeing two or three players that everybody's saying, how the heck did they drop to round two? You know, and because, you know, all these media scouts, they start to brainwash football fans by seeing certain players in certain spots in mock drafts. And so they're getting people already familiarized and normalizing players and where they're going to be drafted. And then boom, it is draft night. Next thing you know, everybody's like, well, what just happened? Why is that guy going so earlier? And then you get people saying, well, that's a reach, you know, for a player. Well, really, is it? I mean, are you telling me that you know more than an NFL franchise scouting department, uh, a group that has put extensive research scouting and broken down every aspect of the player? And so to me, I think that's what really makes the NFL draft so intriguing, so interesting. And as the draft continues to unfold, you know, you're seeing trades and you got the Saints, right, who make that trade with the Eagles. They now are equipped with two mid-round, first-round picks, and they're a team that could go up into the top seven, top six for a quarterback, maybe jumping ahead of Carolina, their, their NFC South division rivals for a quarterback of their liking. And so then you start to play the game of which team who's in the, in the back end of the draft has the one – uh, the draft compensation in the capital to make a move up into the top 10 
And two, which which teams, and here's another team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? We know that they have also been uh, eyeing a future uh, quarterback, and maybe somebody from this draft class has has intrigued them enough to want to make a jump into the top 10, maybe Malik Willis, maybe a Kenny Pickett, maybe it's a Matt Corral, you know, and so then you start playing the game is, well, who is it? Who are they going to try to trade up for? It's one thing to give up, you know, assets, and then it's another thing to target a player who they feel or who, who they must know is going to be there when they trade up because then what happens if they miss out on their guy? And so it's it's a constant discussion of what exactly is going on, who's going to be there, which other teams do we need to be mindful of. And so here's another example, the Dallas Cowboys. They're sitting there at number 24. Jerry Jones has publicly stated, not that it changes anything, and I think everybody knows that at this point, unless they go out and they acquire uh, a starting offensive guard, left guard, they're a team that is obviously going to be targeting a left guard, a guy that can come in with some position flex. And so at 24, then you got to start wondering about the teams who are drafting from 25 to, uh, to 32, and you're trying to figure out, well, if we want a player, say, Kenyon Green, right, offensive guard from A&M, or maybe it's Zion Johnson from Boston College, and they really like those players, then they're going to start working the phones, trying to trade up ahead of Dallas at 22-23, trying to ensure that they're going to get their guy because they know there's a big threat with the Dallas Cowboys sitting there at 24, where if Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson are there, there's a strong chance that Dallas is going to take one of those guys. And so it's a constant chain reaction. And, you know, you always see all the insiders reporting, you know, you'll see as the draft comes the week of the draft starting on Monday, you know, you're going to have teams start to leak little reports out to, uh, you know, reporters such as Schefter and, and Rappaport and NFL Network. You know, they want to hit the mainstream because they want teams to believe a certain narrative before draft night, whether it means that they're interested in a player or they're not interested in a player, you know, because it's all the mind games, you know, and some GMs are, are more about it than others, but it's easy for a team, you know, to leak out to a, to a national insider and saying, Hey, you know, we, we really like or, or non quarterback team saying, Hey, we're kind of intrigued about Malik Willis. And so of course they want that report out there because they're going to try to attract a team that's targeting a quarterback to trade up with them uh, and give them some extra draft capital. So it really is uh, something to to behold and, and being a little plugged in in with some NFL agents and, and kind of having conversations right now about what's going on. Um, it, it's it's really fun, you know. I've heard from some draft prospects. I obviously interview draft prospects every year, and, and now is the time of the of the pre draft process where things heat up. See. 30 visits, going traveling to different uh, sitting around, coaching purse visits. No, teams to bring in the player they're interested in, whether it be to, to, to talk, talk through some film with them, get to know them a little bit better, or it can also be for a player that has maybe a questionable medical history. And so these teams want to bring them in uh, to, to get some more clarity on what exactly is going on. And so I will say this, you know, most teams that, that use these top 30 visits on prospects, most cases 
they're very interested in that player. And, and there's a strong chance that if they're on the board when they're picking, um, they're going to go that route. And so it is a tell for most organizations as to what type of position group they're going to target early in the draft. And so you, you look at, you know, different teams, you know, obviously the teams that are eyeing a quarterback, like the Carolina Panthers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, the maybe I would say the Washington Commanders, but I think they're going to, they're going to not go the quarterback route after acquiring Carson Wentz. They're going to see what they have in him, but there are some other teams that are already starting to think about the future. Obviously the Seattle Seahawks, right? You have Drew Locke, but they're a team at nine that could very easily go the quarterback direction. And so you start to look at their top 30 visits. And in most cases they're going to meet with, you know, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter. You know, I know Pittsburgh, um, head coach Mike Tomlin has met extensively with Desmond Ritter. And so that's when you start to get these um, link ups and you start to put two and two together and you say, well, there's a there's a pretty strong chance that the, this team is going to make a move for a quarterback or if they stand pat in the top 10, you know, quarterbacks on the board, they're going to pull the trigger. Right. And so that is also something to keep an eye on. And I'll keep updated as I continue to discuss these um, draft topics with these agents it's fascinating because they know that their clients are in very high demand you know they're flying different places their clients are told all kinds of things from different teams you know some teams will go as far as saying hey if you're on the board at 20 and we're on the clock you're going to be our guy right obviously that doesn't necessarily carry so much weight because a lot of factors go into it and if certain players are available or the BPA, right, best player available philosophy, there may be somebody available there on the board at the time that nobody expected. And so, of course, they may take priority over a certain player. And so that, that that's exactly what um, what these draft prospects are, are starting to understand during this time. And, of course, they're still training. They're still trying to ensure that they're, they're in their best possible shape because I'll tell you what, once draft weekend comes, most teams start their rookie mini, mini camps within a week or two of the conclusion of the draft. And so these guys are having to go in in shape and they're taking fitness tests. And, and that's when it really shows, okay, how professional are these guys? Are they ready? Are they in shape? Are they ready to take the field? You know, are they, are they well acclimated? They start sending them their, their playbooks before rookie mini camp. They're going to see which players have put the time in to study and to, to make themselves familiar with what is going on. And so that's when the fun begins. But right now, these draft prospects are just taking it all in. They're enjoying the road trips. They're enjoying meeting the different teams. And they're, they're just continuing to showcase their character, what they bring to an NFL organization, and, of course, versatility. What can they bring to a defense, right? If you're a linebacker, are you also um, good in the in the pass defense? Can you also support and run? Are you open to being a special teams guy? These are conversations that are all being had right now across the NFL. And so, uh, as you can tell, uh, it really gets me excited about what the, the next wave of NFL players is going to bring to the league. And again, we'll see what this NFL quarterback class looks like in a few years down the road, five, ten years. Right now, there's a lot of chatter about this year's quarterback class not being so special, not having that dominant, you know, top two quarterback prospects. But I'll tell you what, you know, you can't quite say those statements with a whole ton of weight because we have to give these guys an opportunity to first prove themselves and show what they have on the NFL level. And so I look forward to seeing that. And man, you know, August is, is so far away right now. We're in April, um, moving along in April, though, but we still got May, June, July, August. 
you know, about three and a half months before we start seeing NFL football in the preseason. And so right now, I think we're all just eager to to eat up any NFL content we can get, whether it's podcasts, whether it's uh, mock drafts being written up, whether you're going on online and you're doing your own mock drafts on the PFN um, site. And so uh, I certainly have done that a couple of times, but that, that's where it stands right now on on NFL Draft Talk. Now, you want to talk about NFL free agency. I think at this point, the first couple of waves have already gone on by. And so at this point, it's more so um, about plugging holes and, and bringing in some veterans right now. You obviously have uh, Javion Clowney. You have Tyron Matthew that's still out there. But things have started to pick up a little bit for Tyron Matthew. You know, he did take that visit with the New Orleans Saints, and then he had a virtual meeting with the Philadelphia Eagles. Right now, these veterans, they know that with the NFL draft coming up, they have a little bit of leverage because in talking with a couple of veteran free agents, they've told me, like, yeah, we have some offers on the table, but we want to be patient because – they may be able to have double the salary offered to them in training camp, right? Because training camp, unfortunately, is part of the game is when teams experience injuries. And you'll see some starters go down with injuries, whether they're severe season ending or they could be a couple of weeks. And so that's when all of a sudden a team loses a starting safety in, in July. And then Tyron Matthew, if he's still on the market, you bet your bottom dollar that his asking price just shot up, you know, double the price because now he is needed. You know, he's no longer a luxury player that he's going to go to a team that desperately needs a starting caliber safety. And so that's why a lot of these players are cool and they're fine with waiting it out until, um, until after the NFL draft, because one, they don't want to sign with a team you know, that's going to go and use a premium pick on their position because the next thing you know, it, it's going to make it very difficult for them to realize that, hey, well, maybe I may not be a lock to make the roster. You know, this team just went ahead and drafted two safeties, one in the first round, one in the fourth round. And so it, it kind of makes them feel um, insecure if they ink a deal before the draft. Once the draft comes, the roster is what the roster is at that point. You know, they may add a couple more free agents, but now if you're a Tyron Matthew or you're Jadavion Clowney or you're, you're an Akeem Hicks, a veteran defensive tackle, you now know, okay, well, this is a team Dallas that really didn't address a defensive tackle position in the NFL draft. They obviously know that, that, that I can still be an every down player. And so that's when these guys start signing deals and they start um, finding their next landing spots. And so don't be surprised if guys continue to hold out for deals until after the draft, trying to see how these teams sort things out in uh, at the end of April, and then we'll go from there. Uh, but make no mistake about it, there are a lot of top veterans that are still available. I mean, Jarvis Landry's another guy that's out there, and, and I know that at one point he was visiting with the Falcons. That's when the whole Deshaun Watson sweepstakes was still going on. Um, but Really haven't heard a whole lot about Jarvis Landry. And then you also have Odell Beckham, right, who's still recovering from that ACL. Uh, he's probably not going to be ready for the start of the year, but he's another, you know, quality player, and he showcased what he's still able to do in the NFL. And so 
The Rams have been a team that have all, uh, have had interest in re-signing him. We'll see what happens with his market as um, the offseason continues to roll on. But I'll say another another big guy that's still hanging out there um, is J.C. Treader. J.C. Treader, the center for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he was cut by Cleveland. He's a he's a starter, you know. And, and I know there's a lot of NFL teams out there. That would utilize his services, and so he's still out there on the market waiting for a team to come in and meet his asking price of whatever the case is going to be. Um, so we'll see. I think there's a lot to, to be had and a lot to be excited about with the NFL. Um, and so, hold on, give me a quick second. I'm going to step aside. You know, tend this really quick. Give me a minute. All right, I'm back here. Uh, sorry, I had to tend to a matter, but um, I appreciate you uh, waiting on here. Going to continue on the podcast, but basically, um, a lot of NFL free agents are still out there. J.C. Treaders, the guys I was just talking about, he's a player that can come in and be a plug and play starter right from the jump. We'll see what his market looks like. I know another uh, offensive guard, Eric Flowers. I've been in contact with him, a player that I know. He says he's still waiting to see how his market shapes up. He was a starting left guard for the Washington Commanders last year. And so a guy that has really excelled, he started off that offensive tackle. And then, of course, he was kicked inside to offensive guard. And he was one of the top-rated uh, offensive guards, according to Pro Football Focus, this past year. So he's another player that is also just trying to weigh things out and see where he fits at the next level. But some NFL news catching up on on what we've had, other than the two uh, tragedies, of course, with Dwayne Haskins and then Coach Gary Brown last night. This morning, Greg Joseph officially signed his restricted free agent tender. They kick for the Minnesota Vikings. This was according to his agent, Brett Tesler. So he is back in the fold. Tavon Young, the former Ravens cornerback and a guy that has been pretty productive for Baltimore. Of course, unfortunately for him, injuries have been an issue. And so he hasn't been able to stay on the field. But the Bears inked him to a one-year deal earlier this morning. That deal had been in the works for the last couple of days. They finalized, they agreed to terms, deal is signed. So he is headed to the Windy City. And then another move that we had this uh, morning, or I guess it happened last night, official this morning, Trey Flowers returned to the Bengals, the corner that Cincinnati picked up off waivers from the Seattle Seahawks. He is back in Cincinnati. So that is a good depth move for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then what else? We got Joey Sly, the, the kicker for the Commanders. He re-signed with them this morning on a two-year deal worth $5 million. That is according to um, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. So Joey Sly, who finished off the 2021 campaign on a positive note, he is back in Washington. Um, and so you see two kickers 
finding their homes this morning. And then one big piece of news that happened on Saturday morning was Calais Campbell returning to the Baltimore Ravens on a two-year deal, $12.5 million, max value of $16.5 million with incentives. This is a player that has every intention to retire as a Baltimore Raven. And so he's back in the fold. I know the Colts made a push for Calais Campbell. Maybe we're trying to, to sway him uh, to the uh, AFC South. Instead, he returns to Baltimore, a guy that is not just a, a contributor on the field, but I almost feel like his leadership off of it is what makes him such an integral part and a crucial piece to the Baltimore Ravens is his ability to lead the team off the field, that defense. And so that was a big, big move for Eric DaCosta and the Baltimore Ravens to bring back Calais Campbell championship aspirations of course the Lamar Jackson contract uh, negotiations are still the, the center of attention as everybody's wondering when Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are going to agree to a, a long-term contract extension it seems like at this point Lamar Jackson isn't in a rush he is representing him so that complicates some things only going to go up Kyler Murray's another player that has already made made it known through his agent that he wants his long-term extension before the 2022 season. And so right now, I think these guys are just trying to wait each other out to see who's next, what the price is going to be, and then it's only going to elevate um, the, the quarterback market. And as it is every year, the market will continue to grow. The salary cap will continue to increase with the more uh, television deals. And so you can expect these teams – uh, to be able to uh, to start dishing out the money, man, to these quarterbacks because they are not going to settle for anything less, especially when you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers making over $50 million per year. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray are going to hit that mark, but they're definitely going to want something close to it. And you're talking $45 million plus, And so the price tag just got very expensive for these young guys who are coming up on contract talks. And so we'll keep tabs on those as we move forward into the offseason. But uh, until then, you know, I look forward to, to talk next week. We'll see what else is brewing on the NFL draft. See what exactly is Of course, Easter Sunday. Very much looking forward to that. But until next time. Appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning into the Pro Football Chase podcast. I appreciate it. Enjoy talking football every week. Maybe we'll see about getting Drew Worthy, my guy, on next Monday. Got to contact him and see if he's available. But uh, look forward to, to continuing this podcast moving forward. Appreciate your time. Have a blessed afternoon.